Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. Now here's Pastor Brian Sparks. Are you ready? Starting a brand new series today called Seven. Seven. It's going to be a good series, I think, and I hope. If it's not, hang in there and we'll do another one next month. So, got a Bible? Turn to James 5. James 5. We're going to read verse 17 through 18. James 5, 17 through 18. It says this, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Amen? If you're taking notes today, you can title this message, Seven Dangerous Prayers. Seven dangerous prayers. Lord, I thank you right now for the word of God. I thank you that it's sharper than any two-edged sword. I thank you that every ear in here is open, receptive to hear your word. Lord, they didn't come to hear a word from man. They've come to hear a word from you. So, Lord, I pray that you'd use me to speak to the hearts of your people. Let every life be changed. Let no one leave the same. And everybody said, you know, I love this scripture because it points out the humanity of a, a great man of God. You know, because here's the thing is, Elijah was a prophet. He was in the Old Testament, and he saw some pretty amazing things. But I think a lot of times we read the Bible and we see uh, miracles happen uh, or God use other people to perform or do great miracles, and we see these things or we see God showing up in their life and we're reading it, and we, for some reason, we think they must be superhuman. Huh? They must be good all the time. They must be perfect. They must never make mistakes. Come on, they don't have a temper like me. They don't have the issues that I deal with. But here's what's amazing is, is that even though Elijah saw amazing things, the Bible says this, that he was a human just like you. Because the thing is, is we don't, we think that they must be special. Maybe you see people in the church and you think, oh man, they're just special. They're amazing. They're just gifted. They're more talented. No, the thing is, is that God uses you in spite of your humanity. God can use you to do great things and, and they're not superhuman. Here's a, a couple of uh, things that Elijah did and Elijah saw there was a time that he saw fire come down from heaven. He prayed and he saw fire. I don't know about you, but that's pretty awesome. Right? He prayed and, and, and he saw a widow who was on the verge of starvation and, and God provided for this widow. He, he showed up, he told the woman what to do and because God had spoke to him and all of a sudden now she, she's not starving, she has more than enough. There's another time that he goes in and he raises a young boy from the dead. That's top level right there. I don't, I don't, I don't know. How, I, it's no, it doesn't get any better than that, right? You lay, you lay hands on somebody and they get raised from the dead. And then it says here in this passage that there was a time that he prayed and it didn't rain for three years and six months. It's a long time. And then to get rain, he prayed again. And God brought rain to the land. 
See, here's the thing is, is that God uses ordinary people. God can use an ordinary person, but here's the, here's the deal is so many times we look at what we are, aren't instead of what God is. If I could sum up today's message I, in, in one sentence for all the people who are ADD and you're not going to pay attention for the rest of this service because you're going to be on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or playing Clash of Clans or whatever you're doing. I would sum it up this way. Ordinary people that are willing to pray bold prayers will see God do extraordinary things. Ordinary people who are willing to pray bold prayers will see God do extraordinary things. You know, as a pastor, and maybe some of you have heard this, but as a pastor, especially me, I get this a lot. Brian, I prayed and God didn't answer. I I don't believe that God didn't answer. I believe God always answers prayer. Now, here's the thing, is it may not look the way that you think it should look, but I believe that God always answers prayer, right? Here's the deal is is that that a lot of times we get into this place to where God, but right, I prayed and I asked God and it didn't show up. Now, here's the thing, is that I'll say this, there are some things that I don't understand. And I feel like this, I think that a lot of times as Christians, we, we think that we have to come up with an answer. Like we have to answer for God. Like it's our job. I'm God's bouncer. And if if he doesn't, if somebody comes up and say, hey, I prayed and God didn't answer, we automatically have to come up with an answer or a solution. Well, God just needed another flower in heaven. Let me just say this. Bad theology comes from people who want to give a good answer. But that doesn't make it good theology. And, and sometimes I look at people, and I'm just going to just free a lot of you up. When somebody asks you a question that you don't know the answer to, you can look at them and say, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the answer. I don't know why. I don't know why. There's sometimes that I've prayed for people and they get healed, and I don't know why I've prayed for people and seen them get, uh, get, uh, not get healed. I don't know the answer to that. The, the Bible says this, that God's ways are above our ways. And some things I won't know the answer to here on earth. And I just have learned to accept that. You can live and die by why. You can can just sit back and go, oh my gosh, and live your life always asking the question why. And sometimes you just need to say, I don't know. I don't know why, but I'm going to keep moving forward. But I want to give you a couple of things why I think, a couple of reasons why I think sometimes we don't get an answer to prayer or we don't see God do what we want him to do. Number one, we pray one thing, but we believe another. We pray for one thing, but we believe another. God, I pray right now that it doesn't rain today because I want to go to Six Flags. But then on your way out, you grab an umbrella. Huh? Huh? God, I I pray right now that you intervene in my marriage, but you've already contacted a lawyer about divorce. We pray one thing, but we actually believe another. We're already making provisions for it when God doesn't show up. That's our mindset. Well, God's not going to show up. I'm going to keep praying the prayer, but I don't really believe that he's actually going to do what I've asked him to do. Mark 11, 23 
says this, I assure you, Jesus is speaking, he said, I assure you and most solemnly say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be lifted up and thrown into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to take place, it will be done for him. Come on, it will be done for him. See, here's the deal is that there's something there. It says, whoever says to this mountain and believes that does not doubt, a lot of times we let doubt take over. And we begin to say, you know what? I don't really believe that it's going to happen for me. My daughter, when she was four years old, for some reason, she, I don't know why she loves snow, but she loves snow. I hate snow. It's messy. It's annoying. But she loves snow. And I always tell her she'll pray for snow still today. And I always say, just make it not be on a Sunday. <laughs> we need to have church. Amen. Plus, you don't want to go to school, so make it on Monday, you know, whatever. But, so, but, but when she was four, here she is, this little cute, curly-headed girl, brown-eyed. And in July, she said, Dad, I'm praying that it snows on Christmas Day. I want snow on Christmas Day. And I was like, all right, girl, you pray. You keep praying. Well, Christmas starts creeping up on us. And we go to my grandparents' house in Graham, Texas, and we're sitting there and Christmas Eve shows up and I'm looking at the forecast and there is no snow in the forecast and actually it's 70 degrees outside and I'm thinking "Uh uh-oh this is where I need to start making excuses I'm God's bodyguard I need to start talking to her and so I go over and I say now now Braley girl I, I just want you to know that if it doesn't snow God still loves you Right? God still answers prayer. Like, I'm talking to her about this. But there was nothing I could say to convince her that it wasn't going to snow. The forecast didn't matter. It didn't matter that it was 70 degrees and sunny and not a cloud in the sky. None of that mattered. She said, Dad, I prayed, and I believe that it's going to snow. At 6.30 in the morning, I wake up. I walk to the window, and I see a foot of snow on the ground. And I could not wait to wake her up. To show her what God had done because she was willing to pray a bold prayer. And she was convinced and there was nothing that could convince her otherwise that it was not going to snow. Now here's the thing. Is is it really that important that it snow on Christmas Day? God says yes, it's that important that it snow on Christmas Day. Because a little four-year-old believed God. What if we believed God for crazy things? What if there was something? It didn't matter what our circumstances say. It didn't matter what my situation points out. It doesn't matter how I feel in my body. But I believe the word of God says that I will be healed. And so there's nothing in me that says that can convince me otherwise. There's the word of God says that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his glory. So it doesn't matter what my bank account says. I believe. And there's nothing that can convince me otherwise. But we're praying for one thing. But we're actually believing for another second thing, I think the reason why we don't get the answer, like we think we should get the answer, is because it's not the best thing for our life. 
In the bottom, uh, at the bottom of this scripture, Mark eleven twenty three, in in the Bible, in the Amplified Bible, it said this. It says, "In accordance with God's will." Now, what's amazing is, is that there's a clause. There's fine print, if you will. In accordance with God's will. Now, let me just say this: I always believe it's God's will to heal. I just do. I believe that it's God's will for you to be able to provide for your family. I believe that it's God's will for you to have a good marriage. I believe that it's God's will. All of these things, I believe that they are God's will. But I will say this, that there are some things that aren't necessarily bad. They're just not good for you right now. There are some things that you pray for, but you ask amiss, as the Bible says. There, There are some things that we pray for and we ask God for, but God says, no, that's not the best thing for your life right now. And as, as God, he, as God looking down, he knows the end from the beginning and he knows how to line everything up in your life. My son uh, is 11 and he came home from school the other day. Uh, it was the first day of school, in fact. And he walked in and he said, uh, dad, I said, yeah. He goes, I just want to let you know something. I said, what? He said, I am the only kid, only kid at my school that doesn't have a cell phone. I said, are you hinting? He goes, I ain't hinting, Dad. I'm telling you the facts. I am the only kid. I'm like, well, their parents are rich, not in ministry, son. I mean... The only kid in my school that doesn't have a cell phone. And I said, okay. So I, I kind of start thinking about it. And I'm walking around this and I'm thinking, well, you know, maybe it's time. Maybe it's whatever. Well, a couple days go by, getting ready for school. Dad, I can't find my shoes. I just bought you those shoes. What are you talking about? I can't find them. We still can't find the shoes. We don't know where the... How do you lose a shoe? I can't find the shoe, Dad. I can't find them. I don't know where they're at. Now, here's what I said to him. Keep up with your shoes, and we'll talk about a cell phone. Here's the thing is some of you are asking God for more money, but you're not managing the money you have. Come on, I'm going to go there. Some of you are asking God for a new car, but there's three foot of trash in the one you got. Some of you are asking God, God, I want a new job because I hate this one. But you show up late every day to the one you have. Some of you are praying and asking God for a man. But you hadn't worked on you. And so if the man you're praying for showed up in your life, you wouldn't be what he's looking for. See, sometimes we need to look and say, God, I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. I don't know what's going on, but I'm here to say, I will work on me. I will take time. And God, build character in me. Do it. Get me ready for what's coming. Get me prepared for the place. I love this. God has good things prepared for us, but he is masterful at preparing us for the good things. 
I'll say it again. God has good things prepared for us. But he is masterful at preparing us for the good things. See, here's the thing. Is it might not be the right thing for your life right now. But in the meantime. See, we, we love to say God's timing's perfect. When it's somebody else that's praying for something. But when it's us, we want it right now. I'll just say this, that when we were getting ready to plant the church, we couldn't find a place to meet. I mean, we were having a hard, we moved here, and we're trying to find a place to meet. And I called, and I called, and I called. I called some more, and I called some more. I called Dad, my dad, who is my pastor, and I said, I'm so frustrated, I can't. And he said, son, you're looking at it the wrong way. No, I'm looking at it like I can't find a building. He goes, no, you're looking at it the wrong way. See, every person you call finds out about what God's going to plant. And in that moment, I realized that some, maybe God is doing something bigger than I even realize. And maybe you've been praying for something and it's not the right time in your life. But God's doing something bigger behind the scenes than you even realize. He's working all the time. Amen? Amen. So today I want to give you seven dangerous prayers. I believe that prayer is powerful. And I don't think Christians pray enough. But I want to give you seven dangerous prayers that I pray, and I dare you to start praying on a daily basis. And here's the deal. is Maybe you go, seven is too many for me. Just take one. God's going to speak to you in one of these and say, okay, that's the prayer that I need to take and I need to apply to my life and I need to begin to pray and ask God for it. Amen? Amen. Seven dangerous prayers. Come on, just fist bump three people say, get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Get ready. Seven dangerous prayers. Number one, help me to hear your voice and obey it. Help me to hear your voice and obey it. Now, here's the thing. I just want to just clarify that I have heard the voice of God, but I've never heard the voice of God audibly. I'm not saying that God can't speak to you in a loud, booming voice. I'm not saying that because God is God. He can do whatever he feels like doing. But here's the thing is that I hear it in my spirit. And I believe this, that God is always speaking. The problem is, is we're not always listening. We've gotten to a point to where we're so busy and we're so, we can't stand a moment of silence. We're always doing something. We got TV on. We're, we're doing, we're listening to the radio. Come on, we got our phones. We got all this stuff going on. And God is whispering in a still small voice. We don't hear it. And I think a dangerous prayer for us to begin to pray is, God, help me to hear your voice. And help me to obey it. Because it's, it's, it's easy to hear God's voice, but it's hard to obey sometimes. Pastor, a friend of ours, um, he hears the voice of God. He's one of those guys that, you know, you always kind of pray and ask, Lord, forgive me of all my sins before you walk in the room. Because you're not sure, you know he's, he's going to hear the voice of God and you don't know, you want to make sure you're good. Right? But he was finishing up preaching and God just kind of pointed out a couple to him. 
And God said, I want you to pray for that couple. He said, okay, I'll gladly pray for that couple. So after the service, he went up and he said, let me, can I just pray for y'all? Sure. So he just begins to pray for them, grabs their hands and just begins to pray for them. And that's when he hears God's voice. God always usually speaks to you in the middle, not, he doesn't line it all up for you, right? And so he's just, he's hearing God's voice and God says this, I want you to nibble on his ear. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling like in that moment, that's bad pizza. Now, let me just say this, guys, all the single guys, don't go up to a girl. Hey, God told me to nibble on your ear, baby. Pickup line won't work in this church. They're smarter than that. But this, this guy, he said no. And God said, I said nibble on his ear. And he said, heck no. And he keeps praying. And he's just go, I'm just going to pray through this thing. It's just something. And he said, I just keep hearing this voice, nibble on his ear. And finally he goes, fine. He reaches over and he nibbles on this guy's ear. Now, I don't know about you, but if I nibble on a man's ear, I'm expecting a punch coming at my face. Huh? If I nibble on Brad Tittle's ear, he's going to punch me in the face. Right? But that wasn't the reaction that he got. In fact, the man began to weep and right then and there gave his life to Jesus. This completely shocked him. I mean, he's weeping and he said, I want to give my life to Jesus. Okay, and he leads him to Jesus. Then afterwards he goes, why in the world would you get that? Would I get that reaction from nibbling on your ear? He said, because when I pulled into the parking lot, I looked at my wife and said, I'll go to church with you, but the only way I'll accept Jesus is is if the pastor nibbles on my ear. Come on, a God that hears in secret. And what's amazing is, is that it doesn't start that way. It doesn't start with a big thing like that, a crazy idea, a crazy thought. It doesn't start that way. It starts in the little things. And when you begin to make a commitment, God, every day I'm going to spend time with you. God, I'm going to read my Bible. God, I'm going to pray. And I pray that you would let me hear your voice. And God, give me the courage to obey it. And you know how it starts? It starts by God saying, I want you to buy that person coffee. God, God says, hey, I I want you to tell that person that I love them. God says, hey, I want you to give that waitress a little more money on the tip. God is speaking. Are you listening? It's not always in the big things. Sometimes it's in the littlest, smallest thing. It makes the biggest difference. A bold prayer, a dangerous prayer is, God, help me to hear your voice. Help me to obey it. Amen? Number two. You getting something out of this? Second dangerous prayer I dare you to pray is God remove everything in my life that isn't of you. See, the reason why that's a dangerous prayer is because we have a tendency to compartmentalize. Right? God, all my life is yours, except for this one little bitty part. I got this one sliver here, God, that I don't want you to touch. 
got this one thing that I really like doing, and you can have the rest of me. Hey, 98% ain't bad, God. But what God's saying, no, I want all of you. I want all of you. That's what God wants. So when we say, God, take everything out of my life that isn't of you, we open ourselves up to let him begin to work in our life. You know, my dad, uh, his entire family smoked cigarettes. Now, just before I go on any farther, this isn't an anti-smoking message. Not anti-tobacco. It's not anti-anything, but it's going to get my point across. So they were sitting around the table, and his uncle was smoking a cigarette. Day like any other day, no big deal. But my dad, uh, for some reason, decided to ask him a question. And, and to this day, he says, I don't know why I asked it. But as he, his uncle was smoking a cigarette, he just looked and he said, hey, Unc, can I ask you a question? He said, yeah. He said, has God ever told you to stop smoking? Now, here's a man that's been smoking for 45 years. He takes another drag off his cigarette and he said, every day. Now, what had happened was is that he had compartmentalized an area of his life. And what he was saying is, I trust more in this than I do in God. I trust more in this little thing right here than I do in a God that's bigger. And here's the deal is maybe cigarettes ain't your deal. Maybe tobacco ain't your deal. But maybe God is speaking to you and saying, hey, you need to stop shopping so much and running up so much credit card debt. But God, I really like it. This little area of my life, I really like it and I'm just gonna keep doing it. Maybe God is saying, hey, you need to stop playing golf so much on Saturdays and actually spend some time with your kids. But God, I really love golf. And so this is an area that I I just can't give to you. I can give you the rest of my week, but this area I just can't give to you. Maybe God is saying, speaking to you and saying, hey, you know what? You, you, you need to, you need to uh, stop overeating and be a little healthier in your life. And God, I really love fajitas. They're delicious. See, the thing is, is that it might not even be a bad thing. But it might have taken place of something more important in your life. And you begin to trust in that more than you trust in God. I know people that have laid down things for a short amount of time. And all God's wanting to know is, is everything on the table? Yeah. Is all of you? Are you all in? Come on. Or do I just get a, a part of you? See, in my marriage, I ain't 98% in. I'm 100% in. Yeah. Because that's what it takes for a marriage to work. Right. The same goes for a relationship with God. He's all in. The question is, are you all in? Or is there just a part of you that's in? All right, I'm going to get off that. Number three, God, help me to love people like you do. Help me to love people like you do. This is a dangerous prayer because the thing is, is that everybody that God calls you to love ain't going to be like you. It's easy to love the people that are like you. 
It's easy to love the people that, that like the same things that you do, have all the same things in common as you do. It's really easy to love people like that. But what about when God calls you to love somebody that ain't like you? Huh? God, help me to love people like you do. I heard a pastor preaching, and he's a pastor from New York, and uh, pastoring a great church there. He's always reaching different people. He's always looking and he's reaching different people. Well, he found this guy and he, started, he invited him to come to church with him. And he said, this guy was like New York wrapped in flesh. Like he was just, he just seen, like he was just New York to the bone. I mean, he had, he had, uh, he had, had his, his parents had abandoned him when he was a teenager. He had lived on the street. He had been addicted to drugs. He had, had all the, he had lived a crazy life, but he started coming to church and he, he actually came to church the first time and then he kept coming back because he said the girls were hot. The girls were hot. So he kept coming back to church and then he said, there's, this pastor did something crazy in the middle of his service. Uh, he said, hey, I, instead of fist bumping three people, he said this, I want you to give three people a hug. Some of you are like, oh, thank God they don't do that. You should give three people a hug. One day he was picking the man up from, for church. And the man ran down the stairs. He had never given his life to Jesus. And he said, Pastor, I just want to tell you something. I gave my life to Jesus last night. He goes, that's awesome. Well, what made you do it? He goes, well, it wasn't your preaching. Thanks a lot. It wasn't the worship. He said, you know that stupid thing you do in the middle of your service where you ask three people to hug you? And he said, yeah. He said, well, at first I really hated that. But then a little time went by and I really started looking forward to those hugs. And he said, and then last night, it stopped feeling like someone was hugging me and started feeling like God was hugging me. He said, in that moment, I realized how much God loved me. And I gave my life to Jesus. See, now here's the thing, is that when you open yourself up and say, God, I pray that you would help me to love people like you do. That doesn't mean that you agree with their lifestyle. It doesn't mean you agree with everything that they are. But what you're saying is, God, I'm gonna love people. Whenever you bring them into my life, I'm gonna show them the love of God. I have people tell me, you need to preach more against sin. No, I need to preach more about the solution. We understand that sin is the problem, but I'm telling you that Jesus is the answer to that problem. I'm gonna keep preaching grace and love and mercy. Let me just say this. Jesus never picketed a people group or a sin. What he did do was sit down and love them. And I think if the church could get into a place to where, you know what? God, help me to love people like you love people. We would see a lot more people come to Jesus. Number four, I gotta hurry. Crystal's like, I can't, I can't do six because then we'd have to change the name of the series. Six. Four. I got to move. More of you and less of me. Now, here's this, this is a dangerous prayer because that says, God, I want more of you in every area of my life. God, I need more of you in my marriage and less of me. God, I need more of you in my home and less of me. God, I need more of you in my workplace and less of me. God, I need more of you in my church and less of me. God, I need more of you in my city 
and less of me. Number five, God, use me however you want. Woo. Not God, use me however I want. God, use me however you want. You know, the thing is, is that it's really easy to pray prayer like, God, use me how I want, because I want to be used on the stage. God, I want to be up here singing. God, I want to be up here worshiping. God, I want to be doing what I want to do. But it's really hard when you pray, God, use me how you want, and you're out parking cars in 30-degree weather, and they won't listen to a thing you're saying. (laughs) Park here. No, I want to park over there. God, use me how you want. There was a man that, you know, a good friend of ours church and vacation Bible school had just kicked off and all these kids showed up. They had nearly 200 kids at this vacation Bible school and parents were dropping them off and the toilets will not work at the church. He goes out quickly to figure out what the problem, looks at the septic system and there's water just pouring out. What to do? He opens the lid and sees the problem. There's a massive clog of toilet paper. God, use me how you want. He reaches in and begins to scoop out the toilet paper. Now, what you need to know is here's this man, and he is the worship leader for a thousand-member church, reaching his hand into a septic system so that the toilets will work for a little kid. God, use me how you want. God, use me however you want. When we begin to pray prayers like that, God will begin to use us to do great things. But the thing is, is that small tasks create big people. It's small tasks. It's emptying a trash. It's holding a baby. It's parking a car. Small tasks. Some of the biggest people I know do some of the smallest tasks, what you think are the smallest tasks, but they're making the biggest difference. Amen? Number six, I gotta go. Lord Jesus, it's 1125. Help me to never forget. Help me to never forget. Now, when I say this, I mean this. Help me to never forget how much you've blessed me. God, help me never to forget how far you've brought me. See, because when we lose focus of how far we've come and how far God has brought us and where we were when he called us out, we lose focus of the mission that he's called us to. God, help me never to forget. I started here, but now I'm here. God, let me never forget. Chuck King is a trustee of ours amazing man and I've heard him tell his testimony I can't even tell you how many times and he always starts with this when I was 17 years old I was lost and God found me always starts the same way why because he's never forgotten where he was when God called him out God help me never to forget when I look at people God I remember when I was there God help me never to forget where I was you brought me out the last thing and I'm done God help me to see me the way you see me 
God, help me to see me the way you see me. See, here's the thing is that God sees you different than you see yourself. When God looks at you, he doesn't look at mistakes. He doesn't look at failure. He doesn't look at flaw. He he looks at potential. He looks at purpose. He looks and says, you're accepted. You're loved. You're cared for. See, if we could only see ourselves the way God sees us, it would change the way we carry ourselves. Because God looks at you and he goes, you know what? You are so amazing and you are so incredible that I was willing to give everything to have a relationship with you. Now, if God loves you that much, what if you just saw a glimmer of yourself the way God sees you? Some of you walk around and you're so ashamed and you're always carrying, talking about your mistakes and the things that you've done. And I'm here to tell you right now, you need to stop seeing yourself that way and start seeing yourself the way God sees you. And he says this, you are forgiven, you are covered, you are cared for, you have purpose, and I have a call on your life. For some of you, that's the prayer you need to take away. God, help me to see me the way you see me. With every head bowed, every eye closed. God, I pray right now we'd be a church that prays bold prayers. God, that you've called us to be the hands and feet of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that we would always remember how far you brought us. For some of that us that journey has just started but for some of us we've been going for a long time and Lord I pray we'd always remember how far you brought us Lord I pray that we'd pray bold prayers God that we would believe you for great things in Jesus name At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.